Good morning, Destiny Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys alive, awake? Come on, isn't the Lord good? Aren't you thankful for his presence? That, that right there is the type of excitement that I'm praying is going to get contagious. Come on, let, let, let that right there fire, fly through this place like a viral pandemic of joy. Come on, I love it, man. Come on. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. We've got a reason to be excited, church. Hey, can I remind you of something? Our sin's been forgiven. Come on. Come on. Hey, you know, the scripture talks about, it says that those that have been forgiven the most, they're the ones who are like the most excited. I'm pretty excited because I feel like I was the chief of the, all the sinners. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm just grateful, man, every day when we wake up. Look, we all got problems. We've all got stuff we got to deal with. But, man, can I just say that every time that you feel those things pressing in against you, remind yourself that you are a citizen of heaven. Remind yourself that what you're going through right now, like, it's only temporary. Like, whatever you're going through, just remind yourself that you're going through. You're not dwelling at that place, amen? And so I'm so thankful for that. That's what I remind myself of, of every morning when I wake up. I'm like, God, thank you that I am a recipient of salvation, amen? Well, hey, I want to just jump in, if I can, and say one more thing. My wife, she said it earlier. She's already back with the kids' ministry. But I want to really encourage my ladies just for a moment to sign up and be a part of this women's event. I'll tell you, if you know Jody, she has been working on this thing for like six months. I mean, relentlessly. She had a bunch of ladies over on that Friday night just putting things together, working hard, been praying. Rebecca, I'm so excited. I got to tell you guys, I'm, I'm going to volunteer. My wife doesn't know this yet. She, she Actually, she may volunteer me or voluntold me, but... Um, that's okay because I will gladly show up because I want to be a part. I got to be there last time. I think it was the Christmas um, event, and man, was that good. And so, ladies, look, I know it, maybe you're thinking, yeah, I might. We'll see what's going on. Well, let me tell you what's going on. It's May the 6th, and whatever you got going on, if you can, cancel it. Like, it's because it's going to be that powerful. It really, really is. And the Lord's going to do something special there. And so I want to encourage you guys to get a ticket and get it today. Please get it today. That way they can prepare um, for knowing how many people are going to be there. And also, it, it could fill up. There's only a certain amount of people that can fit in that room. And so I want to encourage you today. I don't know. What, what's the process? Anyone know the process? I'm not the announcement guy. Um, just you got it. They come to guest services. They can get it there as, as Right outside the door. That's easy enough. So as soon as you go outside the door, ladies, right there today. And by the way, let me say this. Hear me on this. If you can't afford to go, I think it's like 20 bucks or something like that. If you can't afford to go, I will pay for your way. That's how much I believe in this. Chris will pay for your way. I want you to be there. So if you don't have the money to go, just go and just let them know. Say, hey, Chris said he'd cover my way, all right? And, and they'll get you a ticket. We want you to be there. It's going to be life-transforming. Okay, ladies, that's less than two weeks away. That's two weeks from yesterday, okay? So buy your tickets today, all right? Let's pray. Everybody's looking at me. I said, let's pray. Let's pray. Y'all join me in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that we're able to come together today, God, 
And Lord, just praise your holy name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavens, the earth, Lord, is full of your glory, Lord. And God, we just thank you. May we bring you glory in all that we do, oh God. We bless the holy name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, to you, as we sang, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to receive the rewards of his sufferings. Worthy is the Lamb. God, I pray as we dive into your word, I thank you, Father, for your word, first and foremost. Thank you that you sent it to heal our diseases. Thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. God, I ask for the anointing, Lord, to be upon me now to teach it, Father, and to hear, Lord, the voice of the Spirit, Lord, as he leads and guides and directs. And God, I pray that every heart in this place would be found as good, healthy, fertile soil by which the seed of the word would fall. So we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's saints say, amen, amen. amen. All right. Let's jump back into our series, All In. We took a, a couple weeks break. Uh, from Resurrection Sunday. Last week, I took a little uh, one-off talking about blind Bartimaeus. Did you guys enjoy that? Man, um, that, was, that was fun to preach. And um, if you're just joining us, we have been going through the book of Acts uh, chapter by chapter. And we kind of gave this series title, uh, the title, uh, All In. And I just have to tell you, by the way, that I have loved teaching this way. If you guys enjoyed like receiving in that way, going chapter by chapter, I really do. I've loved it for so many reasons um, because when you go chapter by chapter, what it does is it, it forces you to talk about things that you ordinarily may just opt to not talk about. Let me say it this way. It prevents cherry picking. And so why don't you turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. And in the last message of this series, we looked at the first seven verses, and we went into depth about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit's role is supposed to be in our lives. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to those two messages, I cannot encourage you enough to go to either our website or to the YouTube channel and listen to them. And by the way, if I can just uh, tag on to a thought while you're, you're turning there in your Bibles, in case you didn't know, we do have a wonderful app for Android and app. All you have to do is search Destiny Church of Jacksonville. And in that app, we have all of our messages archived. So you can go back and watch any of our past me messages. Uh, also, there are notes that are there that are designed for you. They're fill-in-the-blank style um, and there's other things uh, that you may not even realize. There's, you can submit a prayer request right there from the app. Uh, you can sign up for water baptism. You could check out our events. So let's say you have been traveling the last few weeks, and you say, man, I didn't know there was a picnic today. Well, if you had the app, you would have known because it's been on the app for a couple months. And so I want to encourage you guys. You can pull out your phone right now and just punch it and say, I'm going to download it right now And because there's just all kinds of great stuff in there, like trying to find a great community group. I saw a lot of hands that didn't go up. Hey, this is the time. There's groups launching right now, and it's a great time to get involved in a community group. Friends, we are better together. We're better together. And guys, can I say something just from my heart for just for a minute? Because I, 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 I hear this often. I hear people come to church, and they leave, and they say, oh, I just never got connected there. 
And as a pastor, I want to scream because I'm like, we're doing everything we can do to try to get people to connect. And so this is me and my heart saying, guys, I want to connect you. I will literally, like you come to me and say, okay, pastor, I'm going to take you up on your offer. Well, I will personally introduce you in to other community group leaders, but you don't even have to come to me, though. You can just go on the app and look and see what might fit you. It may be that it's in the area of town that you live in. It may be that it fits perfectly uh, with where you're at in life. We've got a community group for all, all of those, all locations. We've got that for different places in life, so please um, take advantage of that, amen? Get connect connected in community, amen? I'm telling you, community is the key to unlocking certain things in our lives. We are better together. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, so you should be in Acts 19 by now. And we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 8. Acts 19, verse 8, says, And he, and he meaning Paul, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Now, I want us to just hang on this verse right here just for a minute. The scripture says that Paul spoke boldly. I think it's important that we understand what speaking boldly means. But can I first just tell you what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean being loud. It doesn't mean yelling or shouting. And so if you're watching the news or if you're scrolling through your social media feed and you just hear people being loud or anytime you encounter people who are loud, just because they're loud, that doesn't make them bold. Come on, how many of y'all live with a loud person? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> well, throughout life, I have encountered a lot of people who were loud, but beneath the noise was a deep-seated fear and insecurity. Like their boisterousness was merely a way of masking their struggles and coping with underlying issues. And if I could just say this to help someone find freedom, if you are a loud person, I'm not saying that that's wrong, okay? Like, honestly, I probably fall under the loud category. And if my wife was here, I would hear an amen. But... We've got to be sure that our projected volume isn't trying to compensate for a much deeper need. So there are times that we should be loud. Times like when Jesus says in Matthew 10, 27, that we should shout it from the rooftops for all to hear. But then there are other times, like in the book of Ecclesiastes 9, 17, when it says the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. And so what's the takeaway from that? Just because someone is being loud doesn't mean that what they're saying is right, wise, or true. And by the way, this is where we as the people of God, we have to use discernment. Because if we are kind of oiling the squeaky wheel, if we are listening to those loud voices that are being the loudest in our ears, those voices could be sending us down the wrong path. And can I just say, by the way, that I see this on a daily basis? I'm talking about people who 
believe every conspiracy theory that comes down the pike. But I'm also talking about those who believe that their government is telling them everything that's true. Hello? Now, maybe you're thinking, well, how am I supposed to know what's true? Well, I'm glad you asked because Jesus prays in John chapter 17. And he says these words to his father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Now, what does sanctify mean? The word sanctify, it means to be able to separate profane things from holy things. To think about those things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. He said, sanctify them in the truth. And then he says this, your word is truth. Friends, I don't care how loud someone may be or how bold they may come across. If what they're saying doesn't align with God's word, it isn't true. I don't care how convinced they may be in their own mind. If God's, because it's God's word that is the absolute standard for what is true. So here's what I've also learned about the real definition of boldness. It means to be confident. And there are a lot of people that, that are confident, but their confidence isn't in God, nor in the things of God, but rather in something or someone else. And again, it requires spiritual discernment to catch this, because the world is going to teach you things like you need to be self-confident. But the very definition of the word self-confidence should grab the attention of anyone who is spiritually mature. Because self-confidence is defined as, and you ready? Here's your definition, straight from Webster's. Self-confidence is defined as a feeling. Well, right there's your first red flag. Hello? It's, de it's defined as a feeling of trust in one's abilities qualities, and judgment. But you see, Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he says, I don't put any confidence in the flesh. Why? Because our flesh will lie to us. The prophet Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so if the apostle Paul and the prophet Jeremiah both tell us not to trust our feelings, then what should we trust? I'll tell you what we should trust. We trust God. We trust his word. We trust his ways. We trust that what he said is true, even when we may feel differently about it than him. Friends, God's ways are not our ways. And neither are his thoughts our thoughts. His ways are higher. And the moment that we come to acknowledge and agree with that truth is the moment that we begin to walk in freedom. Then we don't have to go around wondering well, what's right in the situation. Because can I just tell you that somewhere on that Bible that a lot of you have on your counter that's collecting dust is the answer for the problem that you're facing. Now back to our story with Paul. Paul spoke boldly because he was speaking truth. He wasn't just giving his opinion. He knew if he spoke God's words, God would back him. 
And friend, can I just tell you, God always backs his word. Now let's look at verse 9. Verse 9, it says, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them. And took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. See, this verse right here helps us to understand that when we speak truth, there's going to be opposition. As a matter of fact, can I just tell you, I get a little concerned when I never get any pushback as a, a preacher. I'm, I'm serious. Like, if my message is so palatable that everyone is agreeing with me, S-A-R, something ain't right. Are you with me? And if you never have any pushback against the things that you're saying, you might want to adjust the things that you're saying. I once heard a preacher once say this. It was 2 Timothy 3, 12, and he read it, which says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then he says, if you are never being persecuted for anything, then you might want to check and see if you really are living a godly life. Don't get mad at me. That's what he said. Come on, say amen or oh me, right? <laughs> Paul was preaching the truth of the gospel, and the Bible said that they became stubborn. How many of you know that you can't do much with a stubborn person? I once heard about four rabbis who were in the middle of the garden debating scripture, and one of them noticed that he was always getting outvoted by the other three rabbis, even though he knew that he was right. And so in a moment of frustration, he lifted his hands up to God and said out loud where they could hear, Lord, you know that this is the right way. Give us a sign. Give them a sign to let us know. And as soon as he spoke a, a cloud, it materialized right out of nowhere, moved in front of the sun, and then dissolved. And then the other three they looked at him and they said, well, okay, that certainly was unusual, but the weather has been acting up a lot lately, so that really doesn't mean anything, and they kept debating. But then the fourth rabbi got more frustrated, and so he went back and cried out to the Lord all again, and he says, Lord, they continue to defy your word. Send another sign to let them know, and so that they can see the error of their way. Only this time, not only does a cloud form, but the sky darkened, Thunder clapped and lightning streaked across the sky. Then it clearly, uh, it quickly cleared up. Then the other three rabbis, they were startled, but they concluded, it's true that you don't just see that kind of thing every day, but it is late summer, and thunderstorms, they, come, they can come in and go pretty quickly, and so they dismissed it, and they continued with their debate. Finally, the fourth rabbi cried out one more time lifted his voice as loud as he could, and he says, Lord, please let these rabbis know that they are wrong about this. And a booming voice filled the sky and said, he is correct. The other three rabbis, they looked up, and then they looked at the other rabbi, and one of them said, that's still three against two. <laughs> it's a pastor joke. You got to laugh, okay? But how many of you know someone that's stubborn. Hello? Don't look at them, okay? Just look at me when you raise their hand. They might be sitting next to you. <laughs> Paul was speaking the very words of God. 
but they became stubborn. Now watch this. It's a good teaching point here. I hadn't caught this before. This is a fresh point for me. Notice where it says, it doesn't say they were stubborn. It says they became stubborn. Catching this? Like you see, pride, when not dealt with, will cause you to become something that God never intended for you to be. And the longer it persists, the more difficult it is to overcome. You see, that's why we need to deal with things while they're in seed form. Are y'all following with me? You all awake this morning? Right? You got to deal with this thing when it's in seed form. I'm talking about us not allowing things to take up residence in our heart, but deal with them immediately. Don't wait until that seed grows and takes root, because I can promise you that it's going to be much easier to deal with a seed than it is dealing with roots. Martin Luther once said, you may not be able to stop a bird from flying over your head, but you could stop them from building a nest there. Now, what's that mean? That means that when we find ourselves thinking about things that are contrary to what is right, just, and true, we need to take that thought and we take it captive and we reject it. And then when we reject it, we replace it then with the truth of God. I want us to look at something else that we read back there in verse 9. It says that Paul withdrew from them and took his disciples with them. I think there's something to be learned here from what Paul did. And that is that sometimes you have to withdraw from those who are constantly giving you pushback. I know that there's been uh, many times in my life where I've had those and maybe even one or two right now that I'm currently dealing with. It's constantly giving pushback. Um, But as a, a missionary friend of mine once said, and he's a little bit of a radical, but uh, he would say, don't waste your time on the willfully starving. Now, that's not to say that we give up on them entirely, okay? But what it means is that we're to prioritize teaching and nurturing those who are receptive to the faith. I knew of a guy in Kentucky who had bought land, and he felt like God had told him to drill on the land because there was going to be oil beneath it. And so he gathered a bunch of other people and told them the same thing. I believe God's told me this. I've got a word from the Lord. And so they all pulled their money together and they drilled, but they didn't strike oil. And so he went to the people and said, hey, I need you to drill deeper because there's oil there. So they dug deeper. They drilled deeper, but still no oil. And then they continued, or he continued. He says, go even deeper still. And of course, As you guys probably know, the deeper you drill, the more expensive it becomes. And so, of course, they're getting paid, so they did just as he asked. But still, no oil. And before it was all said and done, all of the money that they had pulled together from everyone was gone. The man had spent everything that he had on his endeavor. And he was never able to pay back all of the people who had pulled in their money, which then led to him having to sell other land that he owned. Well, guess what? Some of that land that he sold was bought by a man who then went and drilled for oil in that land. And guess what happened? He struck oil, and it was one of the greatest strikes in that area of Kentucky. Now, why do I share that with you? 
I share that because if you keep drilling and coming up with nothing, maybe it's time for you to go drill on the other land. I'm talking about those who maybe you've tried and tried to share Christ with only to continue to receive pushback from them. Maybe it's time that you start investing your time where somebody else is ready and willing to receive the message of hope that you have. Y'all track it with me, church. Paul wasn't striking oil in the synagogue in Ephesus. So he went to the hall of Tyrannus where he was then able to reach those who were ready and willing to receive his message. Now let's look at verse 11 and 12. It says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Come on, someone say, do it again, Lord. Friends, I need you to know something. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was a healer then, and he is still a healer now. He sets people free from the power of the devil then, and he still does it now. He did miracles then, and he still does miracles now. And watch this. God doesn't need to consult with us on how he chooses to operate on the earth. Like God was God like before you were here, and he'll still be God once you're gone. So I can just hear the chatter that was going on in the water cooler at Ephesus about Paul. I mean, it probably went a little something like this. You guys heard about that Paul guy? Yeah, I've heard about him. Yeah, I heard he changed his name. Used to be Saul. Must be running from something, right? Someone said that his handkerchief touched him and they were healed. Ah, he's just a fraud. He's a charlatan. Now watch this. There are frauds out there, okay? As a matter of fact, we're about to, to read about one here in just a minute. But there are also men and women of God whom God has anointed and called to do his bidding here on the earth. And there's one thing that we see consistently throughout Scripture. It's that God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, and through whomever he wants. I think we all uh, think that we have perfect theology, but can I just tell you that right about the time that we think that we have God condensed down to what our minds can conceive is usually about the time that he blows our minds. That's why the scripture says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even imagine or think according to his power which is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, In case you're wondering, why does God choose to operate that way? Why does God want to do things that's going to blow our minds, as you say, Pastor Chris? Well, right here, it's, it's listed in verse 21. It says, to him be the glory. And church, should God choose to use us to prophesy, to do miracles, 
to cast out demons, as I very much believe that he has uh, called us to do. The purpose for it is clear. It's for his glory. Guys, everything that we do is for his glory. And the moment that we start taking our eyes off self and we realize that even being married is for his glory, our job is for his glory, raising our kids is for his glory. When I get up here and preach, it's not so that I can get pats on the back from you. I'm grateful when you guys say, oh, it's a great message. But you know what? I do what I do for his glory. And once we get and settle into that place of maturity as believers, when we recognize that everything that we do in life, it should all be done as unto the Lord. It should be done for his glory. That's when we first, that's when we finally come alive. That's when we full. let me say it this way, that's when we fully come alive. By the way, can I just say, um, if you're kind of wondering what kind of church is this, maybe, maybe you're relatively new, um, you're saying what kind of church is Destiny, uh, it's a Jesus church. It's one that believes that we are to live just as Christ lived. In our love, with compassion, showing kindness, serving our community, but also to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the reason Jesus ascended to heaven was so that the Father would then send the Holy Spirit, baptize us with power from on high, and then set the captive free so that many sons and daughters would come to know him. And watch this. Any ministry work that God chooses to do through us, it's for his glory. Now watch this. Not everything that people do is in Jesus' name. Or they'll do it in Jesus' name, but it's not for his glory. Like not everyone that does things in Jesus' name, they've got the right motive. And we're going to see this right here, verse 13. Let's read it. Acts 19, 13, 15, says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. See, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva, um, they were, their seven sons were doing this. And, and the evil spirit, it answers them, and it says, Okay, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Now, can you picture this, if you would? Like, again, here's this high priest here in Ephesus who has these seven sons who must have seen Paul cast out demons from those that were demon-possessed, and it worked. And so they thought that they would just do the same thing that Paul did and get the same results. How many of you know that God isn't just interested in what we do. He's interested in who you are. You see, that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion says, do this, and you'll be accepted by God. Much like an audition from The Voice. How many of you guys have ever seen an episode of The Voice before? Contestants, they perform for the judges who have their backs to the judges, and then if they like your performance, they'll turn around their chair and then in a big bright light, you know, it'll say, I choose you. But watch this. Relationship says, before you ever even walked out on the stage, I chose you. 
You see, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So get it out of your mind of thinking that you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get to God. Jesus jumped through the hoops for you. And he jumped through the hoops by carrying a cross and allowing himself to be crucified through his wrists and through his ankles to where he sat and suffocated to death until they made sure he's dead. They went ahead and put a spear into his side where the blood and the water flown out. That was the hoop that he jumped through for you. It is by grace that you have been saved, not that of yourself. It's the gift of God. No man can boast. Thank God for his grace. So here in Acts 19 are seven men who think that they can do the same thing that Paul does. And this demon says to them, I know Jesus. No, Paul. Who are you? In verse 16, it says, the man in whom the evil spirit leapt on, he, he jumped on them, mastering all of them and overpowering them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, I can only picture this kind of like a kung fu movie. Hey, yeah, I, I got to go there. Sorry. Kung fu theater. Yeah, and here comes in a bunch of guys, and Bruce Lee is sitting there being Bruce Lee, you know. And then some guy comes up and just pours a drink right in his lap and um, interrupting his date. <laughs> and then he takes him outside for a lesson, right? Only worse, Right, because I mean, like I've had my butt kicked before. Anybody ever had you guys? You ever had your butt kicked before? Don't lie, you've had your butt kicked before, right? Um, but I'll tell you what, I've never gotten my butt kicked to the point to where it left me naked, right? Sorry, the Kentucky came out there naked. Um, <laughs> I would say I wonder what it was like for all the people in the city that saw it, but that's not a picture I want any of us to see. Um, hello, <laughs> but guess what? Word got out. Yeah, imagine that. Right, And it says in verse 17, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Those of you that went with me to, um, to uh, Israel, you, you, you know how Ephesus is huge, big city. And it says that all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, um, fear fell upon them. And in the name of the Lord was then extolled. And many of those who were now believers, came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and then it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevailed mightily. Come on, someone say praise the Lord. Church, it's time for us to stop playing it safe. It's time for us to stop playing it safe. It's time for us to go back into the enemy's camp and take back what is the Lord's. What do I mean by that? I mean the devil has been robbing some of you blind for years. He's been robbing you of your joy. He's been robbing you of your finances. He's been robbing some of you of your health. He's been robbing you of your marriage. And it's time to exercise the authority that you have, not that the pastor has, not that Pastor Daniel or Jacob, the pastor, but what you have, the authority that you have as a child of God. Paul had the authority. Tell, tell, tell the president, I'll call him back. Paul had the authority 
to cast out demons because he was a child of God. Okay? But the seven men used their position as the high priest's sons. And what did it do? It left them wounded and naked. So you can go ahead and you can try to strive and work and network and, you know, rub elbows and try to get to a certain place in a, in, in a certain position. But you know what? Paul didn't come in like that. Paul came in and used the authority that he had as a child of God. Friends, don't try to work your way to a position thinking that that's going to get you something in the kingdom. Friends, the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, it's right side up. Are, are you hearing me? I didn't say upside down. I said the right side up. Because in, 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 in the, this earthly kingdom, like we think, man, if, I've, if, I, if I'm going to get something, I got to take it. But in the kingdom, it says if you want to, to, to get, you got to give. If you want to go up, you got to go down. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And at due season, God will exalt you. You want to live? You got to die, right? And so the scripture says that they burned their magic practices. And, and then I want you to notice, by the way, right here in the scripture where it says many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. Now, this is talking about Christians right here. Let me, let me repeat it again. Make sure you heard it. Many of those who were now uh, believers came confessing and divulging their price. It wasn't talking about the non-believers right here, but it says, but many of those who were believers, it says that they burned the things that they, they used to practice magic and, and the total cost of what they brought came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, why do you think that Luke felt the need? Well, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, there's something to learn from that. It wasn't just a detail they're trying to throw into the story. Um, and I'm not sure if you can just grasp how much money that would have been like, that was a lot of money because a silver denarius, that would have been equivalent to an entire day's worth of labor. And so 50,000 pieces of silver would have been equivalent to roughly 137 years' worth of wages for a laborer. Okay, that didn't get your attention, so let me break it down a little bit further. The average salary for someone in Jacksonville, Florida, is $57,370. Some of you all are like me thinking, really? I don't know if I agree with that because <laughs> I'm not there yet, right? But watch this. When you multiply that number by 137, that comes out to $7,859,690. Now, what's my point and what am I trying to get to there, following Jesus, it cost him something. And this is where many people, I believe, fail. Much like the rich young ruler, they're unwilling to pay the price. But can I just say, you'll never surrender to God more than what you will gain in return. Look, I'm going to bring today's message to a close with just these last two thoughts. The first thing is this, what things are you still holding on to now that you are a Christian? Now that you're a Christian, what is it that you're still holding on to? See, I found that there are believers that have been following Christ for years, 
years, some decades, but they're still holding on to things that was part of their old life, something that happened way back when. And the Bible talks about this, right? It says that when we turn our back, um, or we turn back rather to our old way of living, our old way of thinking, it says that it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. See, here's what the dog doesn't realize, is that it's what was in the vomit to begin with that made the dog sick. But before I get the cart in front of the horse, I just want to ask, who's here this morning or watching online, and you've yet to surrender your life to Jesus? You've not put your faith in him. You've not acknowledged your need to be forgiven and free from the penalty of sin. I want you to know that you can get right with God right now, right at this very moment. You can call upon him. And as the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And so if that's you, whether you're here this morning, whether you're watching this live or at some other point, and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be a follower of God. I want to be a citizen of heaven. I want to know that my sin is forgiven. Friends, you don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to join any church other than you're going to be joining the church, the body of Christ. And if that's you, you say, I want to give my life fully. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. If that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. And saints of God, I want to ask you to just join in with me. And right now together, we're just going to pray a prayer of surrender out loud. Pray this with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. And so I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. I also believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. Now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to the Christian who you have been holding on to things that have been holding you back. Watch this. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now, maybe you're thinking, but Pastor, didn't we just do that right then? No, salvation is more than just praying a prayer. Salvation means to be whole, to be complete. It means to come in alignment with who God created you to be. And one big way that we do that is by surrendering every area of our life to God. And I don't know what that might be for you. Maybe that's a hurt that you've been holding on to. Maybe it's a fear that's kept you bound. Maybe it's an addiction that you need broken. Whatever that thing is, it's not greater than the power of God. God wants you to be free. Why? Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so if you are ready to surrender that thing to God, now is the time. 
Don't carry that weight for another single day. Walk in the freedom that God so desires for you to have. Amen? Pray with me if that is you. Join with me. Father, we submit our lives to you. Not just in part, but in whole. I ask for you to bring freedom, God, into every single area of our lives. Help us to recognize those things that has kept us bound, Lord, and the things that maybe we don't even see. God, open our eyes, Lord. Cause the chains to be broken and fill us with your spirit in such a way that we never return to those things again. May our lives, may they bring you glory. May we carry out the purpose for which you have called us. For yours and yours alone is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's saints say, amen, amen, and amen. Isn't the Lord good? Can we thank God one more time for his goodness? Y'all receive God's word this morning.